listening to another episode of the New Southern Gentleman Show. This is your host, Dee Lauderdale. Uh, today's interview is without a doubt the, my favorite so far. Uh, it's with a guy named Mac McAnally. And if you're a country music fan, uh, you probably know Mac, just don't know that you know him. He's uh, written a few good songs, uh, like Old Flame by Alabama. Down the Road, Back Where I Come From, both cut by Kenny Chesney. Uh, but most people probably know Mac as the redheaded guitar player standing on Jimmy Buffett's right on stage and where he's been since the mid-90s. Really had a good time talking with Mac. Um, this is a good episode to learn because, you know, I'm all about trying to help men become really good men, really great men, be a Southern gentleman, and, and Mac is just the epitome of that. And I want you to listen because he's going to teach you how to do it, but he's not going to give you a single bit of instruction. What he is going to do is just talk about how he's lived his life up to this point and how he's going to continue to live his life. And my favorite quote of the whole episode is kind of toward the end. And Max said this. He said, you know, man, if I'm the worst person in my family, I'm still a pretty good guy. Well, that says a lot about uh, what a person thinks about his family, where he came from, and Mac's got some great stories to tell about that. Um, just a, a really down-to-earth, uh, genuinely one of the nicest guys uh, that I've ever met. So thanks again to Mac for doing it, and uh, sit back and listen to my conversation with Mac McAnally. We just don't have a lot of good guys out there anymore. Not as common as it, as it once was. Yeah, I agree. So I'm just trying to help build some good guys, and one of the ways I'm doing this is talking with Southerners who have shown that you can that you can be successful and be a good guy. And so that's kind of why you came up, and um, and that, that's what we're doing. Because I went to the source of all things true, Wikipedia. And was, Absolutely, yeah. and, and was looking up Mac. That's where and, the Bible came from, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. And this is what I came up with—a short version. Country music, CMA Musician of the Year five times. Yeah, it's seven now. But yeah. is it seven? Yeah, we'll see. Seven, Wikipedia seven, needs to be seven in a row. Yeah, seven in a row. Yeah, National Songwriter Hall of Fame. Yeah, you got a Grammy. No, just a nomination. I've just I've, a nomination. I've never won a Grammy. Yeah. All right, you've had number one singles. I have, yeah. Some duets with some guys that are pretty big. Couple, couple of those. Chesney, yeah, some yeah, other guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. You wrote a song that I never knew you wrote or co-wrote, Old Flame with Alabama. Alabama, that was my first number one as a writer. Yeah. Was it really? Yeah. yeah. Great, great tune. And in my favorite Jimmy Buffett song, you actually wrote, It's My Job. It's My Job. Well, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, that's not bad for a boy from Belmont, Mississippi. No, I'm, I'm so blessed. And and ex- extremely lucky and and not, you know the the musician of the year things. I, I say that's that's particularly fortunate since I'm the third best guitar player in my band. <laughs> but uh, it, but but it is something that that's something that's voted on by people who do the same thing. It's 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 sort of a recording. That award is sort of for people's studio work. Yeah yeah. And, uh, and, and it's primarily people who do the same thing that I do that, that vote on that. So I am I I, I, I want to self-deprecate in, on one side of things, but I, but by the same token, I want to say how how much of an honor I feel from that because it's it's my peers that, that vote. Yeah, it's on that the guys you're working with day yeah. in and day out, and in an incredibly uh, 
competitive field. It, it really is, and and what you know what I do is a little harder to quantify than you know. If I'm, I'm not one of those guys who just gets up and rips a burning solo on a guitar, that's not what I do. I, I'm more of an accompanist, and 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 it comes probably from being a songwriter and a singer to some degree as well. But usually what I get hired to do is take an acoustic guitar and kind of play the first verse yeah. of the song with the singer and, and frame it. And then, and then the big production comes following that. That's, that and that's, it's hard to say, oh, he's good. Because it, you know, as long as you don't play the wrong chord, you're not really going to stop the band or anything. But, but to, to do that, there's, it's, it's a little more subjective art, yeah. you know, that, uh, the art of the accompanist. Well, uh, I, think, I don't know that it's as much subjective as your peers know what's good. You know, one of the things I always heard uh, about musicians and being a hack guitar player, I heard this in, from other people who were trying to teach me how to play. Right. They always said, you know, the, the key to being a good guitar player is knowing when not to play. Well, that's that's certainly a, a, a big deal. And I, I had somebody come up to me one day, an engineer, that said, said I learned something watching you play on a session like 20 years ago. And I said, well, I hope it was a good thing you learned, you know, because it could have been bad, too. But he said, no, somebody was asking you what you were playing in the second verse, and you said, I haven't come up with anything that's better than silence yet. Uh, yeah. And, and sometimes being, you, don't, you, sh you don't just need to bang on it because you've you got a track and a microphone on you. You know, you have to you sort of... Try to be in the service of the song and the music and yeah. the singer, and, and and not think that you get paid by the strum. No, that that, that is definitely true. Right, and oh. uh, but that's one of the things I've always admired about you. And then seeing you live with with Buffett, that was the thing I noticed was that you add flavor, well, and and context and texture and those kinds of things to the music. And with Jimmy, you know, we're old friends, and he's when when I started, I was such a bashful kid of Mississippi, you know, I was raised on a farm where it's considered inappropriate to call attention to yourself. You know, it's not, it's not a character yeah. quality to, to say, hey, look at me or listen to me. Or, and so, so here I am in show business, you know, <laughs> which is as ironic as it could possibly be. But I'm, one of the reasons that I get to still be around is because I've had a couple of advocates, Jimmy being one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, when my little first album came out, the, the guy that gave me my first record deal had given Jimmy his first record deal, and he sent him a oh, copy really? of my, when I was like 19, he sent Jimmy a copy of my stuff and said, here's this kid from Mississippi, storyteller, reminds me of you a little bit, yeah. tell me what you think. And, and Jimmy wrote me a note back a long, long time ago. I, didn't, I knew who he was, but I looked up to him already, but I didn't, I'd never met him. And, and he, was, he was one of the first guys that I knew that said, you know, I like your stuff and we're going to be friends and we're, I'm going to sing some of your songs and we're going to write songs together. And, you know, pe a lot of people, maybe even the majority of show business, folks don't necessarily mean what they say to a great degree. You know, uh, not an abundance of sincerity in show business. But, but, but in the case of Jimmy, he meant all that. And all of that has come true, plus a lot more, exponentially true. And we've been friends all this time and, and he's, He's got enough ambition for for twenty or thirty of us, and uh, and I had I had zero, you know, of, of that. I've got a musical ambition, but I had no ambition to to be famous or to be successful. I just wanted to get better at guitar and singing and 
try not to make a mess of things. Do you think that was maybe growing up on the farm? I mean, so how many brothers and sisters do you have? I got two sisters. I was the oldest. And, okay. I, and I say farm. My dad was a school teacher. My mom worked at the pants factory. But we had a 40-acre farm that you couldn't have made a living on without <laughs> supplemental jobs. And, and 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 our mindset was that we were farmers. You know, that's yeah. the, that's we had. Our garden was like five acres, you know, and, and then we we, <laughs> we had another five acres of peanuts and some cows out there, so we, we, we considered ourselves farmers. Peanuts, now that's a crop you don't often hear of in Mississippi. You don't want to pull peanuts out of the ground for a long period of time. And, that, make, that makes uh, practicing scale seem pretty easy in, yeah, it does. in comparison. And you've right? already, you know, by the time you do it a couple of years, you're already hunched over from posture-wise, and you can look out over a guitar <laughs> and, and, and be all right. That is cool. I, I listened to your the live record that you did that you recorded in Muscle in, Shoals in uh, Muscle Shoals right. uh, at the Handy Festival. I Handy think. Festival, yeah. And you told a story on there that just grabbed me. That I that I had a note that I wanted to ask you about. Now, as as I understand it, you started off as a piano player. That's right. My mom was a piano player in gospel quartets and such as that. So, so you learned yeah. to play piano, right? Now, did I understand that your first professional gig was at age thirteen? Yep, that's right. Well, I mean, I played in church, uh, you know, up until then, but yeah. that, uh, uh, it, but not, even though I attempted to take up an offering for myself a couple of times. <laughs> How'd uh, that go for you, Mac? It, it got me a whipping. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would see I would see preachers come through and take up a love offering for themselves, and a couple of times they got me to sing a special song, and people acted like they liked it, and so I decided to get the plate and take up an offering for myself, and now, got, got, got red in the behind from that. Got, <laughs> now, there's a, one more reason that that's extra funny to me. Yeah. I used to be a pastor, oh, okay. so that, that's even that's even funnier yeah. to me. So anyway, I didn't realize how inappropriate it was. Uh, so I think so it's it was, hilarious. It was heartfelt. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were just doing your thing. I, I was doing. I was following a role model. Yeah, look, I got. <laughs> I played. I need. I need a little yeah. something yeah. here. So anyway, your first gig is at a beer joint. Right? That's correct. Yeah, Iron City, Tennessee, just across the state line. We, yeah, which because Belmont was a dry county. Yeah, uh, you couldn't. There was no place legal alcohol sales, and my and my parents, both very religious. My mom had been in churches all her life. They had never been to a honky tonk, and were not ever going to go. Uh, <laughs> I mean, as much as they love me, yeah. they, they wouldn't come see me play at a honky tonk. And and this guy, uh, Dean Lindley, came came down. Uh, to our house and said, I, I, they tell me your son's a good musician, I need a piano player, and I'm playing at the Circle E Club five nights a week. And I was 13, you know, I was in junior high school. So I thought that they were about to throw him off the porch, you know, yeah. pretty much. That's kind of, but he continued and said, well, you know, your son wants, you know, you all want him to be a musician. They said, yes, we do. He said, well, he needs to play with other musicians. and. And you, you don't have that going in your church. Our church was one piano player, one organ player. You were typical one of the Baptist other. church. It was typical Baptist County church. County seat, first Baptist church, right? Yeah. yeah. And the only time I'd ever gone in there with a guitar, they ran me out like I was Satan's cousin. You know, I had a, I worked up a little 12-string version of What a Friend We Have in Jesus, and that just was not going to happen. Uh, even with an acoustic guitar, it didn't matter. You know, now my church has got, you know, full PA and drums and tambourines and but but they ran me out with an acoustic guitar, you know, in, in 1970. Well, uh, anyway, this uh, guy yeah. said uh, he he said, you know, I, I'm a good Christian man. I know y'all want him to be a player. I'll watch after him. I'll drive down here and pick him up, and I'm not going to drink. And I'll drive him home safe at the end of the night, and and I'll pay him $250 a week. 250 bucks a week when I was 13, and that's more than my mom made at the pants factory, and that's more than my dad was making after after 
with Holden's teaching school at Mississippi at that time. You're kidding. And I, I didn't realize any of that, but I, but I knew that suddenly the attitude toward this guy changed <laughs> and to the point that I was playing that Friday night at Iron City, Tennessee at the Circle E Club in a, in a, like a terrible lime green leisure suit that they had as uniforms. <laughs> and I felt like I was sold into indentured service. I didn't. <laughs> Did you get a little cut of the of the two fifty? Uh, I just gave it to them. I couldn't think of anything to do with it. I would buy. I would what buy, would you do with two hundred fifty bucks, right? Well, I, I bought I bought something to eat on the way home. We had stopped at a truck stop in in Florence, coming back through in Muscle Shoals there. Yeah. It called the Shanty back then. It was uh, and and I would eat because uh, the the place we played didn't have anything except beer to drink, and I I've still never had a beer in my life. Really, I'm, Jimmy calls me the token Baptist in the in the Coral Reefer band. After all uh, these years, yeah, I've never had a cigarette, never had a beer. I'm not, you know, I'm not a teetotaler. The, and you've some, been a musician your whole life. It's, I'm a failure. What in the uh, world, Mac? But, you don't have any stories to write songs off no, of. I mean, but but, but <laughs> it's it's funny. Out of all the bands that I've been in, you know, I, I'm the one that remembers everything <laughs> to, to the detriment of some of some of my buds. Wish I didn't remember it. And occasionally, I'll say something. They go, "Well, that never happened." They go, "Oh, wait a minute. That yeah, that, that did happen, didn't maybe, it?" Maybe Maybe that yeah. did happen, <laughs> but you know I, I'm not judgmental in that way, and 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 I will. Jimmy's a wine connoisseur. If he says this is great, you should taste it. I'll I'll taste it and then go back to my iced tea. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not like a teetotaler or like swear off. But I I just had so much beer slung on me in fights and stuff back then, <laughs> and I was scared of these places. These are rough places that I was playing. See, I think if people aren't from the south, and I'm from Athens, so just right. So pretty, you know, pretty yeah. close. A beer joint is a whole different level. It's a whole different thing, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, there are taverns. Mm -hmm. Now the beer joint is they don't they they issue you a weapon at the door. Pretty much, if you don't have one. And I, I was afraid to get. We would take a break, and I would lay down behind the piano on stage. Would you really? I wouldn't get off the stage. And you know, I was I, my beard came in early, so I didn't look. Thirteen, yeah, but I was, <laughs> you know, and and so I was scared, and they and they didn't have you. I, there's no way I would have drunk water out of any spigot that was coming up in the Circle E Club in Iron City, and they didn't have anything to eat except those pickled eggs in that red water in oh, the big I've gallon jugs. I wasn't gonna eat that. So at the end of every night, I was dying of thirst because yeah. we played, you know, from eight to midnight, and okay, and then we'd drive back through the shanty, and I'd get a hamburger steak with chili and cheese and onions on it that was about this big and eat that and go home and lay down at about two o'clock in the morning and get up at seven and go to school. That wow. Was, that was my five nights a week. And, you uh, played five nights a week? Yeah. How long did you do that? I, we probably did it for, I probably did that for about four months of, of the year that I was 13, 14. Wow, you kind of got broken into the biz, as they say, in the in the roughest way. I was way. working. And, and, and it's, it's funny, Dean's band he he worked at the body shop in Mullins Ford. Okay. And and the name of his band was Dean and the Reefers. Uh, was it and really? I'm in the Coral Reefer band now, so I got bookends to my life. But uh, <laughs> but Dean Dean was like a crew cut sort of Conway Twitty was his hero. Okay. And really country, and he did not know what reefer meant. Did he really not? He did not. He liked the sound of the word, and he had a he had a, a big Ford van with Dean and the Reefers painted on the side of it. <laughs> And he couldn't stand long hairs, and he couldn't figure out why they all gave him the peace sign when we would drive by. <laughs> why do they do that? You know? But uh, but it was because he had reefer on his van, and he he just didn't know what it meant. Anyway, he he came and got me, and he paid us well. And uh, I, I was I'd never heard the songs that we were playing. You How know? did you play them then? Well, country music, you know, I, I sort of I was a trombone player in the in the band, and I and my mom I played gospel music. 
My mom was a Shape Notes player. I don't know okay. you, you know yeah. about yeah, Shape yeah, Notes. Yeah, yeah. Which is very similar really to the Nashville number system. It, it, you know, I've never made that connection, but you're but, right. But, it, it is. but Do is one. You know, yeah. Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. It, 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 so no matter what what key you're in, if, if you know the shape that's that's Do, you can look at sheet music and play it in any key. And if you have the num number system, you can play in any key. It doesn't, you know, the chart's the same. Yeah. Whereas if you're if you're in regular music notation, if you got to go up a half step, you got to get a copyist and copy the whole thing out again. Right. You know. So here in the studio, we got to go fast. If the singer says that's that key's too low, let's go up. The number you don't nothing nothing on the chart changes in the number system. I've had somebody. I've had two or three people try to get me to understand the Nashville, and I yet I, I've yet to be able to get it. Well, it's it just, just not sink into my thick head because I'm not a musician. Well, it's, it's it is pretty simple though, as long as it's simple music. Mm -hmm. You know, it, when it gets super complicated music, like if you start playing giant steps, yeah. Uh, Numbers, numbers are going to look worse than than music. Yeah. You know, but uh, but we call it one four five. You know, C F yeah. G. Yeah. Or D G and A. One four five is. So I can do that. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's <laughs> I got mostly it. what we're doing. You know, the three chords and the truth. They talk about country music. I, I got it. Yeah. But so, those songs were were simple enough that I could kind of hear the next chord coming. So I the fact so you that didn't I even never, know what key it was I, in. Well, I would I, I would I I would listen to them start at the intro. I'd you know okay we're in D and I'm I'm going to just follow this around and. By the time we played it a couple of times, I knew it. Uh, but but I'd never heard the records <coughs> that made those songs popular. Okay. Like so, if we so you never heard the original. No, you if we were playing doing, a cover, if we were doing a George Jones cover, uh, I wasn't. I didn't have the privilege of knowing how awesome George Jones was. I was listening to Dean Lindley from the Body Shop at Mullins Ford <laughs> sing it and. And he's a nice man, you know, but he didn't. But he ain't George. Yeah, no, I didn't know what he stopped loving her today was until you know, or <laughs> those songs. Mm -hmm. It probably wasn't that one yet, but but it was. The, the, that was in his heyday, though. The, the merit of the of the songs was lost on me because I was hearing our version of beer joint you know, versions yeah, of it. And then later on, the, the, what initially put me off about country music was that it was so simple, and I could hear the next chord coming like a freight train. Yeah. Uh, uh, initially, that that put me off. Eventually, I like the simplicity of country yeah. music. I like that it says something pretty forthright, mm -hmm. and and that the words matter. And uh, that, that's you know that that has an appeal to me now. Well, and I think the other thing that probably appeals to you is there's still people in country music who can write a song and play an instrument. Yeah, that there's that, <laughs> and and there's folks in pop who can do that too. And there's folks in the, the new the, the the millennials are starting to get back to that. That means something yeah. to them to to play and sing at the same time, uh, and you don't have to have a wall of computers, you know, to make it seem like you can play and sing. Yeah, that somebody can actually get up there. I got. Who were your musical influences growing up? Well. Other than the gospel music with your well, mom playing, and and, playing I, and our house, you know, our neighbors came over to our house a couple nights a week with hymnals and mandolins and dulcimers and saxophones, and all kinds of stuff that didn't go. Whatever to they got, joyful noise, <laughs> you know. That's uh, and and that's that's where I heard music. That's where I started hearing harmony, and because there would be twenty people in the house stomping their feet. Uh, I was always, you know, the regular SATB gospel, mm -hmm. soprano, alto, tenor, bass. I, everybody was covering all of that. Mm -hmm. And the more I heard it, the more I started looking for uh, one extra note. I Something started, else in between I there. wanted to put a suspension or a, or a second or a nine. or a, And I, I wasn't trained. I'm still, I'm not trained musically. But, but I found myself wanting to add something that I wasn't really? hearing. 
out of the four. I, well, I mean, it, in the, initially I wanted to grab one of those four and feel like I was singing right. Right. But then I kind of wanted to add something to the painting a little bit. Yeah. And and still to this day, there I've got clients that'll hire me to sing, not not because I'm any great singer, but they'll just say, "Come, they'll call me in Muscle Shoals. Hey, come up to Nashville and bring that note that you sing." <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's. Because it's a little bit different than you know than what somebody would would write out. I'm yeah. looking, I'm looking for one that's different than than the obvious. Uh, just that's my nature at this point. That's you just kind of, always have done that. I've always done that. Yeah. And and mother didn't ask me to do that. She but but like I said, when when the when the main parts are already covered and they already sound good, mm-hmm. you kind of want to say, well, what could I do that would add to that? You know, and that's worth adding to. That's it. That's worth adding to it. Yeah. And, and 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 there was trial and error in the living room there, and it, nobody heard it except me, pretty much. You know, I wasn't singing as loud as anybody else. So, well, I don't. I won't sing that one again. You know, but <laughs> note to self. What records were you listening to? Any? Well, the 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 city of Belmont would hire and fire a band director pretty much every year. And, and the band director would come to town, and he would pretty much have to sell everything he owned to get out of town. And, and my dad would buy the record collections. We didn't have a record store there. Okay. But, but my, dad, what, my dad would buy things from the folks that were leaving town. So Help I get out of town. So I got a hodgepodge. You know, I, some, I got a lot of Glenn Miller, that sort of stuff. And my dad liked that stuff. He was in World War II. So all the swing, 40 swing, he listened to. And he loved bluegrass uh so you know roy acuff into bill monroe into flat scruggs he had some of that stuff and uh and then it was whatever the band director had liked when when he and so i got some classical stuff via that oh and 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 daddy went to auctions all the time so he'd buy a reader's digest you know a a box set of 50s or 40s yeah so you know i didn't have any kind of pop the first the first record I bought was Let It Be, and the Beatles had already broken up. Uh, oh wow! So so I was late to the game as far as so you weren't getting, into Elvis or any of that stuff. No, and my and my uh, my aunt Maverine McAnally married Flavis Presley. Uh, <laughs> any relation? Yeah. Oh yeah, first cousin. You know, and and. and uh, so and they were going up to Graceland all the time and trying to get us to go up there with them and and uh, you know Flavius was a musician as well played yeah uh, he was he was a first cousin and but my dad was all he, he was like oh Elvis don't want people fooling with him he, he gets to talk to enough people he don't need us up there you know <laughs> and so we never went up there but but we're sort of cousin in laws with yeah. with Elvis via that and uh, did you ever meet him no nope, I never met him. Uh, so you, you just kind of missed all of that, but you had this wonderful repertoire of other music that influenced you. Yeah, definitely, and and, and probably from all that, uh, I, I look at all music as as somebody's dream coming true. You know, I, I'm, oh, wow. not, I'm not judgmental of of any type of music. I, if it's if it's, I like for it to be done well, and as long as it's uh, good music, you're good with. Yeah, it. and 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 even even as a session player over the years, there's times. When I don't get what we're doing, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't really. It doesn't reach out to me necessarily. But I always think this is somebody's dream right here. You yeah. Know? And, and so, and and if, and maybe I'm not smart enough to get it. But but these people that brought me here to help them realize their dream deserve me doing the best I can do. So I've never been somebody who said this song sucks. I don't care about it. I'm going home. <laughs> you know, I always try to give everything. My best, and if I, that's probably a little bit of what some of these awards would have come from, is because, yeah. because uh, you know, everybody at a certain point, 
they get hired on a job that they're that's not a pro and, and, and a bunch of my honky tonk jobs you know was was uh, you know stuff that I didn't care about necessarily personally I wasn't mm -hmm. invested in but I knew it meant something to somebody and I figure they deserve me doing my best so that that's that's really good to hear because I was watching the Muscle Shoals movie um, and they were talking to a couple of the swampers and mm -hmm. I think maybe it was the guitar player drawing uh, Jimmy Johnson Jimmy yeah yeah and one of them said that exact same thing. He said, we always took the attitude that we were the backing band for yeah. whatever artist was in there, right. and we had to do the very best, because this was the artist's dream. It may be his only shot to yeah. be able to cut a record. Well, I learned a lot from those guys. Those, you know, those guys were, I got to sit at the feet of those guys and, and, and make records. I, did, I wasn't there in the glory period of what they did, but, but their attitude never changed, and they didn't look at, you know, it would be Willie Nelson one day and Aretha Franklin the next day, mm -hmm. and 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 a custom gospel album from from people who were going to sell them out of their back seat of the car or the trunk. You know, the day <laughs> after that, and everybody deserves the the best that you can do, and 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 from that, uh, in my case, from from a couple of the, like the worst of those situations, I was. Uh, I give you an example. The band Sawyer Brown. Yeah, I remember I, them. I, I remain I remain good friends with with those guys. They're some of my best friends. But they they did an album that the record label sort of forced them to do that they didn't want to do. Okay. And a and a and the, and a producer sort of got mashed with them, and nobody really wanted to do it. And they got sent to Muscle Shoals to do it. Mm -hmm. And they were having to record songs that they didn't want to sing at that particular. And and so nobody involved in it wanted to do it. And. And honestly, really, nobody cared about it in the in the in the room. But I, I still had you know it's muscle shows. I'm like I'm I'm giving this everything I got. Yeah. And and they that was that was the, how I met those guys. Was oh, really on in that, that record, session on on that session. And and years later, they came back and and asked me to produce their album. And they said they said because you know there were you were the only person in the building. That gave a crap about anything that was going on. You were, we were all just trying trying to get out the door, and you were in there trying to make it good music, and and you had the least reason of anybody in there yeah. to be giving it something. And I, I, I just didn't know any better than to work any. Other. That's the only way that I can work. You know? Well, I mean, I think most people would say that that's the true definition of a pro. Well, I, I hope I hope that qualifies because because the other things that a pro needs to do, I'm kind of lacking in sometimes. So, but, but I mean, but, there really but, is yeah, that 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 thing that the only standard that you're comparing yourself against is the best that Mac can do. That's right, and I want that to be better tomorrow. But today, whoever's working me is supposed to get the best I got because they're paying you to yeah, come in yeah. and and play a song. That's right, and they it's they not wanted my name you on the front of the record. It's not you know it's it, I'm not if I can if I can make somebody notice my guitar. That you know, incidentally, well, that that's fine, but that's mm -hmm. not my job. That's not why I'm there. I'm in the service of music, and in the service of a song, and and these folks, and you know, and there's a label involved in it, and there's an artist involved in it. But my first job, to me, my obligation is to make that music be the best I can make it with with my God-given limitations and and, yeah. and gifts. Yeah. Know. Well, and and I think that's a that's an admirable thing, because again. It's so easy to, especially in what you do, to fall into comparing yourself to somebody else. And there may just be somebody else who's just a better mandolin player oh, than you are because that's all they do is play mandolin. Absolutely. But you can't compare yourself to them or you'll drive yourself nuts. No, that's you, you, the, you want the best that you've got. And, and, and whatever that is. Yeah, and, and some, you know, for some jobs, 
some records that need a mandolin on them don't need the best mandolin player in the world. Yeah. You know, I, some of my favorite mandolin parts are people who can barely play, yeah. playing at the top of their ability. Yeah. Because that's exciting. Hey, look, I figured out a chord here, <laughs> and that, that comes that, that comes out on the record. You know, the guy that played on the what that losing my religion, the the, the what was that? Uh, REM's yeah. record. Yeah. That's you know that's that's not a that's not Mark O'Connor or Sam Bush playing that mandolin, but it's a it's a cool part because it's somebody playing at the absolute peak of their ability, even though it's not great ability. It, that's what that's what was interesting about punk rock. You know those guys, those guys weren't weren't choosing the three chords they were playing over a thousand other chords. They were playing the only three chords they knew <laughs> to the best of their ability, and so it had an energy to it. That you know, if you get if you hired seasoned pros and said here play E all day, they're going to just say, oh geez, what, you know, <laughs> fine. But but you you want that's part of what pop music is is people getting excited about learning something. Yeah. You know, the Beatles learned a minor seven chord, and that was six more number one records. You know, they got they got a ton out of that. Yeah, that's true. Well, so that's kind of the musician side of you. I, I got a question on the songwriter side. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been, or are there times when an artist is recording one of your songs, and they are recording it in a way that you never intended for that song to be played? Or, or is there ever big disagreements with an artist? Or once they buy one of your songs, do you just say, "Well, then you're just going to record it because you bought the right to do that"? Well, well, you know, it's not really you as a, as a writer or and or a publisher. You have you have the right to to a, to license the first person to record a song, okay? Whoever that is, you have so you have the right to agree on that. And then once it's been recorded once, anybody can record it. Anybody. Uh, well, I didn't realize that's how publishing works. Yeah, that's how that that that's how it works. And, and you know, and and the way the business is today, people are, are pretty. People are hoping somebody steals their song, you know, because <laughs> it's different. Please than, record yeah, it. Yeah, please, please steal it, and then we'll talk about it later. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I always, I've always considered an honor if somebody wants to sing one of my songs, and yeah. they may hear it a different way, or they may, they when they, they may want to do it exactly like my version of it, but when they start singing it, they realize it's going to suit them better to do it a, a different way. I, mm-hmm. I'm not ever judgmental about how somebody does does one of my songs, and and. I'm just always honored that that they wanted to sing it, and I'm I'm probably a little extra blessed because I usually get to the, the way I hear it in my head. I have the opportunity to record it that way. Yeah, and I don't mean that I have to have a hit on it or anything. It just has right. to exist. Right. I'm, my my method about music is I was not somebody who ever wrote something down. Uh, I, I was I've never written really? songs down. And, and my the way I functioned in the beginning writing was, I figured if I couldn't remember it, that I didn't have the right to inflict it on the public. And, <laughs> and but your lyrics are so, they're they're almost like literature in a lot of well, ways. Well, I, I, I get, I'm sort of considered a lyricist, you know. Although, I always thought of it more. I, I was so bashful. I was just writing the guitar part, and I I didn't want to sing, so I yeah. kind of have a melody in the guitar part. And then I'd say, well, if I was going to sing, I'd probably say this, you know. And that's how my lyrics came out. I didn't ever say to myself, I'm writing a song. I never admitted that's what I was doing. I was too bashful. Well, you uh, know, you, you talk about that on that live record, too, when you're doing the intro to Down the Road. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and it's, you know, stuff would fall out of my mouth occasionally, but it was always <laughs> mumbling and quiet. And 
you know, not not confident enough to say that I was writing songs. I just knew I was staying up later than my parents. <laughs> you know, that's really all that I would admit to for sure. But that's, uh, what do you consider yourself? If somebody says, Mac, what are you? Or do you say musician, songwriter, uh, writer, storyteller? I, you know, I, 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 I say I'm a musician, but I think of myself, I think of myself as, as, a, as, a, as a writer of music. That's kind of, uh, yeah. I don't think of myself as a singer. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a decent guitar player. I, I get around doing enough, enough things that collectively it's kind of impressive, you know. Yeah. It, it, but, uh, <laughs> but I don't know that I'm especially good at any, any particular thing other than I, I do. I, I was really blessed to hit the ground where I hit the ground and come yeah. out of the family yeah. that I come from, you know, in the same way that, uh, I, and I'm not a wine connoisseur at all, but in the same way that they talk about grapes, Mm. And, and the influence on the way they taste come from the dirt that they came out of. You know, the, the dirt that yeah. I came out of has given me a little bit of a prismatic reflection of life. Mm-hmm. That's that that's it's not better than anybody else's, but it's unique to me. Mm. Where I where I hit the ground in Mississippi, and 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 I was really blessed to a wonderful family that I'm mm-hmm. part of. I mean, I've just. Uh, you know, I, if I'm the worst person in my family, I'm a pretty good guy. You know, uh, <laughs> and so so for me to have come out of that and and have have an open, fairly decent mind uh, has has influenced the way that I play guitar, the way yeah. that I write songs, the way that I carry on in life. It's all the same to me. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I I try to I, I try to make use of myself, which is what my mom told me when I walked out the door in the morning. Whether I'm making music or, or being a neighbor or, or a brother or, or, or an ex-husband or a dad or any of it, you know, I, I try to make use of myself. Yeah, I mean, because really was, I mean, you grew up in this little bitty town in, in Mississippi, but right next to Muscle Shoals where right. some of the coolest music was oh, being yeah. made and yeah. still is being made. Thankfully, I like is, to yeah. see it coming back. Me too. And I, and I hear those influences in your music because, you how old are you? Fifty-seven. Okay, you're you're seven years older than mm-hmm. I am, so I mean I still hear those songs that were recorded in Muscle Shows, mm-hmm. and and I identify that stuff now when sure. I hear some of that yeah. come up in somebody's music, I go, oh, I really like that. So that's why I like a beat three, and I like a nice bass line. Oh yeah, that, that that's engineered so that you can actually hear it. That's not buried yeah. under yeah. everything. But what I really love though is is just good lyrics. And so I said earlier that you wrote one of my favorite Jimmy Buffett songs, and uh, it's, it's called It's My Job. Any of that autobiographical? Oh, sure, yeah. I had my, I wasn't a songwriter when, when I wrote that song. Uh, I, was, I was working on Highway 25, widening the road in the middle of summer <laughs> uh, in Mississippi, North Mississippi. Shoveling asphalt? The, the, we we dug a ditch to to, to, to widen the road and, yeah. then, and then shoveling asphalt. And then, That's about and then as hot a work as there is, by the way. Asphalt has to be 360 degrees to put down. I didn't realize that. I, I, I wore Converse tennis shoes to work the first day, and it was they July. They didn't make it, did they? My birthday. Now they melted off for, for lunchtime. They just were gummy. And I had to go buy some, like, leather dollar store or brogans, you know. And, 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 but, and so... From the context of a job that that tangibly, I, I, I talk about 95% of people having jobs that suck. That job mm-hmm. did. There were some good folks that I worked with, but uh, 
But I figured out then, even with a job that I was not acclimated to, qualified for, didn't want to be good at, didn't mm -hmm. want to be there doing it, that even in even in that scenario, how important it still is to do the best you can do. Yeah. And that changed my life. Because uh, that really is the theme of the whole song. That's it. I mean, from the first verse, talking about a street sweeper yeah. out there who's whistling when he shouldn't be to an uncle, this guy who's yeah. really wealthy, yeah. to then as, as a musician. And so that kind of leads me to my next question. Throughout this career, has there ever been a time when you felt like you had to or wanted to get a quote-unquote real job? Um, well, I'm a you know I'm a father and a, and, a, and a family man, and and, and music is not uh, it's not a steady income. Yeah, you know, uh, no so, matter how good you are. No, no, no matter how good you are, and and it's it it's funny, you know, you grow up as a musician and, and, and everything about you think of it as different than a regular job and then as soon as you ever do something that makes any money you sort of start looking at it like a regular job you yeah. know like pe people hit one I, I had that a little song called It's a Crazy World that was a hit yeah. and uh, that's the first thing I put out when I was 20 years old and, and I'd never made any amount of money at all really and and all of a sudden this check comes in that was more money than I'd ever seen I was like, well, even more money than playing in the beer joint huh? yeah yeah which which was the most money I'd ever seen too uh, but I was like well I you know I must make this much money well no you did it one time you know so and the same kind of thing you see with athletics and anybody mm -hmm. succeeds in chunks they don't know how to handle it yeah and you so so I went through fortunately uh, I, I I got the worst of that out of my system when I was 20 or 21. Before it got to be else. really big yeah. money, hon. Before well, you had responsibilities yeah, and these uh, kind of things. But 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 I've taken I've taken work. Uh, I've never I've, I've never considered going to work at Home Depot. And a lot of my I've got friends in Nashville who wrote multiple number one records who were working at Home Depot now. You know, and that's mm -hmm. and I. I'm I'm lucky in that there's several avenues of it that can sort of collectively pay a light bill for me. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're just a songwriter. It's tough. If you're and if you're just a songwriter right now and you don't have something in the pipe, you know for a fact you can write Bridge Over Troubled Water this afternoon and you're not making any money for 18 months. It's not coming. Wow. So so if you don't have any money right now and you're a songwriter and that's the only way you can get money, you're you, you need a line of credit. Yeah. In the best case scenario, you need a line of credit that's 18 months long. You know that's wow. That's a tough 18 way. 18 months. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's either, so. That's why you know you go to Nashville and and the person serving you's probably got one of the better voices you've ever heard. Absolutely, or you go up probably and down got better Broadway. songs and probably a better guitar player. You know that's. The, uh, oh, I mean, I go up and down Broadway before uh, a buddy of mine moved up here to try to make it yeah. doing the songwriting thing yeah. and had the same kind of thing happen. So one weekend he said, "Well, come up here. I'm just going to show you the places all of us yeah. locals go." Mm -hmm. Well, he takes me to two different clubs and I hear two guitar players. Yeah. And I said, I'm never picking my guitar up again. <laughs> no, it's it's discouraging. It's true. I can never do that. Yeah. You know, and and just and then the bass players are awesome and right. Well, we we I've got a couple of my daughter's friends were involved in that Glee show out in uh, in uh, California, and they say just categorically every time they hold auditions, you know, people from all over the country come, and a bunch of kids from Nashville get it. You know, that's just the way. Yeah. It, and it's. You know, it's it's like it's probably like being in the AAU or in basketball, or if you if you you, you can only get better, uh, not necessarily competing with, but existing with high level mm -hmm. talent. You know, there's certain there's no treadmill that teaches you how to write good songs. You mm -hmm. know, 
you but you sit you sit around in the same town, you know, with 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 Guy Clark and with Bob McDill or whoever your or Willie Nelson or whoever your role models are at a, at a certain time. You know, Hank Williams was sitting around in the, in this town too. Yeah, it's it's it it changes the focus a little bit. It's it's not a handicap league. It's not like golf. This is big boy world. It is. Yeah, if you're, you're not. The, the, your competition is, is the Beatles and, and, mm -hmm. and Hank Williams and And, and I never Cash. understood until, again, my buddy moved up here that there are people all over this town that show up in conference rooms, kind of like you and I are sitting in or in hotel rooms or wherever mm -hmm. every day. They go to work yeah, to write songs. To write songs. Blank paper. Mm -hmm. I, that was Come totally foreign to me. Yeah. I had no concept It was foreign of that. to me. It was foreign to me. It was it was not common to me when they put me in the Hall of Fame. I still didn't know it that well. <laughs> but uh, and and that's that's a testament to how much luck I've been involved in because because I would have never had the nerve to come to Nashville. It's it's fortunate. Just the physics of me, the fact that Muscle Shoals was forty minutes from my home. Yeah, made it. I could go there and and run back home if I got freaked out or something. <laughs> Mama's you know. fried chicken. Yeah, like, no, me. So I need to. It, it was. And that's that's the only place I would have gone yeah. to 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 try. So it's really a blessing for me to be, like I said earlier, the particular dirt that I hit the ground on mm -hmm. was because because it's required Old Testament level miracles on several levels for for me to get to hear where I'm talking to you today. Well, you know, uh, and I understand that to a degree, Mac. But I, I don't think we can discount just your your work ethic and and I say this. In, in in joking, you and I have been trying to get this interview done for months yeah, from the first true. time. That's true, and I, I've genuinely tried to make... I, and I know you yeah. have, but you just work all the time, dude. I mean, you're producing, you're writing, you're playing. So you've got... I know there's been... You say there's some luck, but a lot of this is just you were willing to work, and you were willing to go into the studio, and if somebody gave you a chart of a song that you didn't really get... I'm going to go at it. I, I'm going to play it hard. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do well, whatever I can. No, that's 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 definitely true. Uh, and what's really funny is is how lazy I am <laughs> by nature. Well, you know, and I mean, the last verse of the song, "It's My Job," yeah. starts off. I've been lazy most all my life, writing songs and sleeping yep. late. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I don't see lazy in you, Mac. Well, it's it's harder and harder for me. To, <laughs> but my, but I but it it is still my nature. You know. And the 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 pace I've still not adjusted, but in, in Muscle Shoals, one of the one of the benefits for me in Muscle Shoals was that I could do everything that everybody asked me to do. I could just categorically, I never said no. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, and I could do all wow. of that. And there was still plenty of time to be to be a dad and to be a husband and be a brother and a neighbor. And and to write my own songs and and I, I always put my own stuff last. And mm -hmm. I still do. The, this record that I'm working on of mine that I just canceled the tracks because of the snow and ice, the, the newest one of these songs has been finished for three years. I've been done and ready to record for three years. Wow. And and I just I just categorically, every time somebody says, can you do this? Yeah. You know, I'll do my stuff later. And so do you think that's because, as you said earlier, music is not exactly a steady income? Do you think there's something in the back of your mind that says, I can't turn this down because there might not be anything else coming? No. No, that's not it at all. Okay. It's... Uh, Although I, I do think constantly that, that that people are bound to quit paying me pretty quick, pretty soon for for any of these. <laughs> They're gonna figure out he's a guitar player. Uh, Why am we paying? Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> but no, it's it's just 
it, it's sort of the, the, the self-deprecating, not put yourself. My, my dad was, is still the most selfless man that I've ever encountered in my life. He's, you know, he's been gone since 82, but I've never met anybody remotely like him. And I'm, I'm a watered-down version of, of him. And it, it, I sleep really good at night if I, if I put the needs of other folks in front of mine. And that's just the way that I was raised. It's not always right. It's to a yeah. fault. I'm, ha- I'm having to try to adjust that. Okay. Because in, in Belmont, there was a seemingly infinite pile of time. And that's the way I looked at everything. Yeah. And I, I have a song called Meanwhile, and, it's, and it was me realizing that there's not an infinite pile of time. And the things mm. that are, the things that you, the time you allot to things that don't really matter very much is directly taken away from the things that matter the most. And and that's big. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm still adjusted to that. I, I agree. I just turned 50, and I'm I'm starting to feel that same thing. Yeah, it takes a while to get to there, but I, but that's happening I, to me. I'm so. I'm still I still think the same thing, and it and it kind of comes up to me. I, uh, I obviously haven't I figured it out because I'm making an, I'm starting an album that the song's been done for three years on, <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm trying to get better at it. Now, just from a pure fanboy, groupie, wondering what it's like to be a rock and roll guy question. This is one I've always wanted to ask somebody. What is it like when you sit there and you hear 10,000 people at a Chesney concert singing your song out, singing the words along with Chesney? What is that Uh, like? Well, that's, that, that's a pretty wild thing to, you know, to have all those folks know something that you've made up in your head and, uh, it's, it's, you know, I've got a really good imagination, but to, but to have that happen and not have to imagine it, <laughs> to have it actually happen <laughs> is a cool thing, yeah. Because uh, on, Ch- on Kenny's, uh, on Chesney's live record, they do uh, Back Where I Come From. Mm-hmm. And he even kind of intros the song as saying it's almost an anthem for them. No, it on is, the, yeah, on, yeah. on that thing. And then they're playing it, and he backs off the mic. And then you hear however many thousand people were yeah. at that show. And I'm thinking, wow, how, how must that must must that be for Mac it's, to sit uh, no, there? It is, it's a gratifying thing. And, and, and Alabama used to close their show with Old Flame and everybody yeah. blow the lighters up. And yeah, that, you know, s- I saw one one time and uh, saw them do the do that song. That's that's because you know, in my mind, Old Flame. I was trying to I was trying to do some gospel harmony like my mom played on the piano. That sort of rising augmented the yeah. way that chorus is. It's like a gospel chorus musically. Yeah, and that's. That's what Old Flame was to me. It wasn't me saying something personally. Uh, you know, that, that, was, that was true songwriting attempt, that was, because you know, I wasn't writing my life or anything. I was just like, this sounds kind of like Mother Plays. And, <laughs> and, and it, turned into, it turned into a big thing for, for them. Uh, and one, probably the first time was wherever hypothetical, I, I think this could be a hit, and it was. Yeah. That, that sort of, where you, I actually, Thought of myself as a professional songwriter writing that song. Because, was it really? Yeah, because uh, I was like, I think this could be something. And then uh, after I wrote the chorus, my own sort of liter- literary bent on everything. I was like, well, if I finish this song by myself, I got this chorus that sounds like a hit. If I finish it by myself, I'm going to put some kind of wicked twist. I'm going to make it about an arson or something like that. You know, I'm going to make it about a, a fire starter. Uh, so, so uh, my, my one of my best friends, Donnie Lowry. I called him and I said, "Help me, not screw this up, you know, because I'm I'm wanting to do something." I got this great course. Yeah, I got this great hook. If I just leave it alone, it it, you know, it, and 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 he did, you know, we 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 finished it like it was supposed to be finished yeah. as a simple, basic, you know, 
country song. Yeah. And, and, and we're both glad we did. That's cool. Two questions and we're done. All right. Uh, first one is this. Who taught you the most about being a man and what did they teach you? Oh, well, it would have definitely been my dad. Uh, although I've, I've run across a bunch of, there, you can learn from, there's nobody you can't learn from. Boy, that's uh, good stuff right there. That's what people don't understand. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, there, there is nobody you can't learn from. But, but in my case, uh, my, my dad just, uh, just making, making everybody's life better by being, by, by wading through it, you know, uh, whether it was whether it was directly or just showing showing somebody how to live, he I, I watched him carry on uh, a fairly short life, and I watched him lose it with uh, with a great deal of dignity. And you know, somebody that can show you how to live and die is a pretty big deal. And, wow! Uh, he did both of those things for me. So I'm 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 not saying I'm a great man, but I'm a better man than I would have been if I hadn't crossed paths with him. That's awesome. And the last question. Yep. Let's say that. Uh, we could come up and, and invent a time machine. Mm -hmm. We could stick Mac in it and we could transport him back to Belmont, Mississippi and he could sit in front of 18-year-old Mac. <laughs> what would you tell 18-year-old Mac? Well, you know, I, I stress, I've, I've, I've always liked to put in work to, to get better or something, but I, I stressed extra hard. I felt I've felt inadequate to the task a lot of my life, mm -hmm. uh, so I would I would go back and tell eighteen year old Mac to to relax a little bit more. Not 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 that you're good enough to do it, but just life, whatever life you got, if you know whatever life you have is the best thing you've got, and enjoy it. If and if you can figure out a way to enjoy that life in a way that that's is not at the expense of anybody else and that generally benefits the other people you come in contact with, that's really all there is to it. That's, that's, that, that'll, that'll, that'll get you through work and love and, and sickness and health and poverty and wealth. It'll, do, it'll, it'll cover everything. And, uh, you know, I probably, had a, I probably had a suspicion of that when I was 18, mm -hmm. but I would, I would go back and tell myself to trust the instincts a little bit and, and, and enjoy it. And I and I have enjoyed it, but but if you know, that, that I would I would I'd enjoy it a little more probably. That's cool, yeah. Mac McAnally. Thanks so much for your time, sir. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. it. So I told you, what a guy, Mac McAnally, the epitome of a Southern gentleman. Thanks again to him uh, for sitting down and doing the interview. Thanks to the. Guys at his uh, management company, TKO Management in uh, Nashville, for hosting us and just being such uh, so gracious to us, uh, to my daughter and I, while we were there. I uh, hope you guys got something out of it. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for sharing. Uh, that's kind of how we continue to uh, try to make our small dent in the world uh, to help uh, good men become great men. So thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the New Southern Gentleman Show. Mm -hmm.